Hey, retakers, welcome back to Elevate Retake. My name is Michael, and I'm the teaching pastor for Elevate Community Fellowship of Keene Church. And, you know, I'm so glad that you're listening to the podcast. The past couple weeks on our podcast, we've been in the middle of the series, You Gotta Try This, and that came to an end last week with our last episode. And all seven episodes are up. You gotta go back and listen to those, listen to the overtime sessions, the conversations I had uh, with the guests that I had on. You're gonna be blessed by those. Today, Elevate Retake takes on a little bit of a different tone. I've invited a special guest, Pastor Buster Swoops. He's uh, one of the religion faculty at Southwestern Adventist University, and he and I have a conversation about one another, how we love one another, particularly within the context of social justice and Black Lives Matter. This conversation was recorded back in about the end of June. It was about a month since George Floyd had been murdered, and there's been many other things that have happened since then. Lots of protests around the world, and I think this podcast comes at a good time. There's not a lot of people as much talking about this anymore, so I encourage you to lean in, listen in. Some of the things that you hear today, you know, they may be a little bit challenging. Uh, They may challenge your worldview. They may challenge uh, some of the things that you've known, and I encourage you to lean into that. Take a moment and listen. It's one of the best things that we can do at this time is to simply listen to our fellow brother and sister. So today, Pastor Buster is going to be sharing his experience as a black man in America. I'm going to be sharing how I treated one of my friends who's a person of color um, back in high school. Uh, And I just... Thank you so much for listening. I, again, encourage you to lean in, and I hope that this conversation challenges you to think a little bit more about how we love one another, particularly in the world that we live in. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Pastor Buster Swoops. This topic that we're going to be talking about this morning, Buster, uh, is uh, at the forefront of the thought of the American mind right now, isn't it? It really is. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, And... and Typically, it's usually the black race uh, trying to push forward, mm-hmm. but the fact that I've seen so many people joining in on this and the fact that it's it's global, right? Yeah. We're, we're facing a pandemic right now still, the coronavirus, but yeah. also we're also facing uh, the fact that racism is being fought as globally together. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see, and I still know that there's a lot of confusion out there, though. Absolutely. And for some, uh, a lot of people, this particular topic has somehow become political. Yes. That depending on which side of the political spectrum you're on um, is how you view this. And we want to take a response this morning from the Bible. Yes. Going to the Bible. We're not here to talk politics because we're here to talk human lives yeah. that matter yeah. uh, in a very, very real way. So some of the things that you hear this morning, you may not agree with, but we encourage you to come with an open heart and an open mind to be receptive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit um, and to simply listen. Yeah. I think as a white male, uh, within the past couple of weeks, I've come to uh, a better understanding of what it means to listen. And that my role at this point has taken on a listening role to hear the experience of my friends who are black and yeah. persons of color and to, to elevate and value um, the experience of a group of people who's been systemically oppressed. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I have to add in this, Michael, um, I, how can I put it? I've, I've had some moments of PTSD. Really? Because uh, God has really taken me along my journey, and He's helped mm-hmm. me for, 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 to forget some things. And when as people are asking some questions of Buster, why, why, what's happening here? And I have to go back to my past experiences. I'm like, yeah. man, that was really messed up. What happened, <laughs> right? And God has healed me from a lot of those things. But going back, sometimes uh, for, for those people that are upset or saying, well, some some of my black friends are telling me, go educate yourself. Sometimes there's deep 
deep pains that are there that are hard to revisit. I'm glad I'm in a place where I can revisit those things and bounce back. And and God is with me and God is with us. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to take the time right here, right now to actually invite God's presence um, once more. Um, Our praise team prayed it just a moment ago, but we want to, especially as we dive into this topic that I believe is near and dear to God's heart, to invite his presence here. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much uh, for this morning. We thank you for the chance to come and talk about one another and talk about love and what it means to love one another. God, I pray that the words that go out over the internet here, that as Pastor Buster and I dialogue over this topic, I pray that it would be in a spirit of love um, and that perfect love from the throne of grace would cast out all fear in our hearts and that we would come to a better understanding of your character and what it means to, to love those around us. So God, we leave this conversation in your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So... More specifically, we've, over the past few weeks, have seen the deaths, the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. We've seen protests, which have been of a peaceful nature. We've also seen riots, which have been of uh, an aggressive nature. Yes. Um, We've seen some legislation that is starting to come out to advocate um, for um, persons of color. And we've seen political sides. (laughs) So... How do we begin to to make heads or tails of of what's going on in our world right now? So so you know I, there is there are two sides to this, mm-hmm. and I believe as my identity, I first identify with Christ. He's the one that saved me, mm-hmm. and then I am also a black man, and, and I have no shame in my heritage. Mm-hmm. I have no shame in who I am, mm-hmm. and I'm also realizing something that the political side that people are saying, well, if you're a leftist and you're thinking this, if you're a rightist, yeah. you're thinking this. No one gets to decide who, how I think or wh- where I think, except mm-hmm. for when I surrender my life to Christ. And right. I think that's where the church has to begin. We have to start with Christ and say, mm-hmm. Jesus, how is it that you want me to face this? How is it that you want me to speak out? Mm-hmm. And call an injustice an injustice and call right, right, call wrong, wrong. And there are going to be people on, on that are, are your same color are going to agree with you. There are people same color that will disagree with you. And right. the thing is, I strive as much as possible. Lord, help me be on your side. And... I'm also admitting that I'm wrong sometimes. Ooh, that can be that can be tough. Yeah. Because we often hold our own perspectives very very dear to us. Yeah, we do. And it can be difficult for me to stand up and be like I I, I wasn't exactly right about that <laughs> and maybe I was misinformed. Yeah, maybe I, I had a bias that um w- didn't fully characterize God's love in a very real way. Yeah. Um and I appreciate that. And I think I resonate with that a lot because sometimes I see people that um, their politics lets, informs their relationship with God. And I think that that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to let our relationship with God, where our identity is in Christ, then inform how we see the world. Yeah, uh, the, one of the big words today for me is objectivity. Uh, we have to be mm-hmm. objective enough to be able to look at whatever side we're on and saying, you know, this is what's right about it, and this is what some things that it can prove upon. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter if you're on the left, if you're on the right, whether you are uh, f- uh, in, in protest, where you're not in protest, to be able to look at it objectively and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? God, what is this about this that you want me to change? How is it you want me to speak up? And Lord, what do I need to just listen? And God will give us those, those answers. Absolutely. So I want to ask you a question, Buster. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, it for some people can bring up some a lot of pain and a lot of hurt but i want to ask you what your experience has been 
as a black man in the United States. And um, if you want to shed light on it as well uh, within our Adventist institutions or maybe even within the church. You know, uh, <laughs> I will first say this. God, I, I love this church. I love the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I believe that God is with the church. I know he is with the church. Uh, but at the same time, the church that I love has also been the church that uh, has oftentimes hurt me. Uh, without going into too many details, I've been told after a sermon uh, when I was young, a uh, nice sermon boy, uh, I have been uh, told particularly that I could not have a particular job where I was recommended by a portion in, uh, in an office, in a conference, that I could not have that, that job because of the color of my skin. Uh, I have been told that I could not work for a particular conference because I'm in an interracial marriage and they don't think that conference or those churches would be ready for that. So so all these are deep hurts and that show me that we have not progressed to, to the place where God wants us to be. Uh, yeah. The church is supposed to be, have a, a representative of heaven here on earth. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, though, we realize it's still full of humans and humans are flawed. I'm flawed. Right. We're all flawed. Yeah. And it's just a shame that because of the color of my skin, there's oftentimes where opportunities I, were, I was not given uh, mm -hmm. because of such. And even times where I've been given uh, a, a position, <laughs> I've been told that even the current position I have, which is uh, professor of religion at Southwestern Adventist University, I've had people insinuate, well, you, you have, they have to fill, fulfill their quota at Southwestern affirmative <laughs> action. And so therefore you have that position because you're black. Yeah. And, you know, all those things, they come and they hurt. And, you know, the, the biggest thing, and I said, we have to focus in on Christ and say, Lord, I can't affect how they think or what they think of me, but I, I care about what you think of me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Um, and I'm sorry that those uh, particular actions were taken against you um, and those thoughts um, that were wrong yeah. uh, were uh, against you and other people that look like you. It's just, it, it boggles my mind how we talk about a God of love and how we, we talk about a God of inclusivity and that there's uh, the, the children's song, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Um, yet we still have uh, thinking systemically in our country that puts down people that look different than yeah. me. Yeah. And you, you know, one, one thing I want to say is uh, oftentimes we, we talk about the, the bad that's in the church or bad things that we've experienced, but I also want to talk about some of the good. And mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've had allies in the mm -hmm. church as well. Mm -hmm. I've had men that are not of color that have stood beside me, that have believed in me, that have mentored me, that have mm -hmm. prayed with me, that have recommended me, that have uh, helped me through throughout all this. And I, I appreciate those allies. And I think it's, it's important to, to define that term because you've probably heard it quite a bit. What, <laughs> yeah. what is an ally? An ally right. is someone who recognizes that injustice or racism is wrong, mm -hmm. but they also speak up and do something about it. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, th those are people that we call allies. And there's a lot of different allies for a lot of different things. But right, but right now we're talking about so, uh, racial injustice. Absolutely. And I, there was a, an experience for me when I was in high school uh, that's kind of had an influence on my perspective of trying to be an ally. Okay. Um, when I was uh, in high school, um, I told one of my classmates who was black, I said, you're the whitest black guy that I know. All right, Michael, I'm leaving. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see ya. No. And I remember, I remember saying that, um, and I didn't understand what I was saying at the time. I meant something along the lines of you act differently than other people that I've seen with black colored skin. Yeah. Innocently enough. But I think back upon those words and I think back in that instance and 
this person that I directed this to, we've talked about this. So this isn't something that I, you know, just putting out there like flash in the plan. We've talked through it. We've uh, um, come to a reconciliation about it. Um, but I remember saying that and seeing his eyes change yeah. and seeing his body posture change. Yeah. And I could tell even in that moment, I had said something jokingly and we kind of laughed it off, but it had had an effect yeah. on him. And as I got to, to talk to my classmate, to this person that I played basketball with, mm. as we talked more, um, it never really came up again in high school. And it wasn't until six years later, <laughs> Wow! and this was about two years ago from now that this six years later conversation happened, that a God-ordained moment, he was up at Andrews Wells, up at a seminary um, for a particular event, and he needed a ride at the airport because his, his ride had, had dropped out from underneath him. And he texted me and said, hey, is there any way that you could take me from Berrien Springs to Chicago O'Hare Airport? Okay. It's two a two-hour drive. Yes, yes, it is. I and know. I've driven many I, times. And I, and I said, sure, let's go. And throughout that conversation, um, through I mean, two hours is a long time. Yes, it is. We had the, the chance to catch up. And that particular event that he was on campus for at Andrews was um, an Against the Wall event. It's a, a movement led by um, Ty Gibson and um, Michael Nixon. Yes. Um, and they're all about breaking down the walls of segregation and um, systemic racism and that. And so they were hosting that event at Andrews. And that had got me thinking about that particular um, instance where I had told my friend who was black, I said, the whitest black I know. And I, I told him, I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't realize the, the words that, that I was saying in that moment. And what he said to me is like, Michael, you're, even though you said that to me, I knew you didn't understand what you were saying and I knew mm -hmm. you didn't mean it that way. Mm -hmm. And it blew me away because he assumed in me a character of love. Yeah. And he extended love towards me, even yeah. though I had said something that had hurt him. Yeah. He afforded me the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And through that conversation, where, through forgiveness and reconciliation, um, through reading um, a lot of different books about the black experience and about um, what it means to be racially reconciled and for having some very, very candid conversations with friends of mine in seminary, particularly um, that are persons of color and asking them their experience and saying, hey, how do I as a white male stand up as an ally? I've learned so much that even the subliminal, the stuff that's kind of under the surface yeah. can still rear its head. Yeah. And I don't want to point fingers in my upbringing and my experience about why I thought that way. That's just, it's not how I was raised, but that was the system within which I grew up. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know what, as you're saying that, I, I've been told that before, which is, Buster, you're the whitest black guy I know, and mm -hmm. I've now learned to, to counteract saying, oh, is it because I speak well, or is it because of my education, or what, mm -hmm. what is it? Yeah. You know? What is it about and, that? And, yeah. and, and it really starts getting people to think because they realize yeah. what they're saying, and making blank, uh, blanket statements towards anyone yeah. is, is not appropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, and treat people as individuals. Treat people with love. Uh, treat people with, with the kindness and respect and dignity. Yeah. And just because you've had uh, an ill experience with someone of another color that did not go well doesn't mean that you get to apply that same experience to the next person you meet. Mm -hmm. uh, every experience, treat person with dignity, love, and respect. Absolutely. And be willing, as, as yourself, Michael, I can honestly say this, you are an ally. Mm -hmm. You are a friend it. of someone who is is continuing continuing to learn to understand people and, mm -hmm. and differences that we might have and how to move forward. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned from that was how my perspective of my friend being the whitest black guy that I knew was him 
trying to survive in society. Yeah. And that he was culturally appropriating to what society was deeming as the right way to act. And for some reason in our society, whiteness is equated with good and success. Yeah. And blackness is is pushed down. Yeah. And like black women, minorities in our country are all thought of as in some way or another second class to the white male. Yeah. And that is, it's wrong. Yeah. The Bible doesn't. <laughs> and, and those people groups have had to try to assimilate themselves. And so him being in that way from my eyes was actually his survival to make sure that he could navigate the world. And I appreciate what's going on in our country right now. And I feel the spirit is moving Agreed. to to open our eyes to what it looks like for the kingdom of heaven to be here on this earth as red, yellow, black, and white are all standing together in solidarity. Yeah. And all lives matter because black lives matter. Yeah. And we're elevating a particular people group at this point because they've been oppressed for so many years. Yeah. And it's about time that we stand up and say, no, that's that's wrong. Yeah. We can't and, can't perpetuate that anymore. And you know, I, I've been thinking of different ways to say different things because some people are like, oh, when you say all lives matter, that means that uh, 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 you're against black people. Or if you say black lives matter, it means that you don't care about white people. And I, I, I want to coin this phrase, which is black lives matter because all lives are equal. And we're just mm. asking for... Uh, equality and that's yeah. what we're, that's what black lives matter movement is is about and, and a lot of times on social media you'll see that i won't post that because i know that i have some people that i'm friends with that don't understand that yet and so right yeah. now what this asking for is equality mm-hmm. uh even another term i, w- I want to talk about real quick michael yeah. it's this white privilege a lot of people yes. like oh i don't want to hear that term well I, I, let, let's, let's coin it a different way so to help the audience understand, which is white influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's influence that you have as a white male mm-hmm. that I don't have, but there's black influence that I have that you don't have, right? right. And that's amongst my community. It just so happens that I'm a part of a minority that is 13% of this country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, forgive me for no statistics, but I think Anglo is about 60 to 65% Probably, of the yeah. country. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, naturally, there's going to be a little bit more influence that you have and that's why we're asking for allies. The civil uh, uh, movement that we have, the racial injustice is being faced, we cannot have change if we're not for our allies. Absolutely. And we have a rich, rich heritage of an Adventism of uh, our pioneers being mm-hmm. abolitionists yes. that help push things forward for us as yeah. allies. In fact, I, I was doing some research and I, I pulled some quotes of what Ellen White has to say yes. about how... Um, I'm just, I'm going to read it. I don't want to preface just, it. Just, just, just do it. Let's do Ellen it. White, one of our pioneers, she's writing in 1899. Um, this is uh, letters and manuscripts 14, letter 98, for those of you that are, are taking notes. She says, no people have suffered such great oppression as the colored people in the South. None have through the treatment received been brought into such degradation. And for no people has so little been done to uplift. Mm. And so she's, she's calling racism out. She's calling bigotry out. Uh, and then she'll say in 1891, you have no license from God to exclude the color people from your places of worship. Treat them as Christ's property, which they are just as much as yourselves. They should hold membership in the church with the white brethren. Every effort should be made to wipe out the terrible wrong that has been done to them. Ugh. And I share those quotes not to say that I think that we have, um, that we're shutting black people out from the Keene Seventh-day Adventist Church or from Elevate. No, no. No. What? What I really appreciate about what she says at the very the very last sentence is every effort should be made to wipe out the terrible wrong that has been done. And we have to say there were people who thought it was okay to go to Africa 
and take people and enslave them, pay them next to nothing, put them on boats where a lot of them died, and then work them to death in our country. And our yeah. country was built on that. Yeah. And you know, that, and I'm glad you brought that up because it, it shows us something, which is sometimes um, the reason why that happened is because oftentimes in the past and sometimes in the current, in the future, mm-hmm. uh, current and possibly in the future, there are people that have looked at black people and said, you are not equal. Uh, you are not a man. You are less than a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember a time in our country where uh, if I wanted to vote, I, I could vote, but my vote count is three-fifths of a man. Uh, mm-hmm. So in other words, you are not a man yet. Mm-hmm. But as we look at the word of God, as we look at Genesis, yeah. uh, the thing that makes me equal to anyone of any other color is the fact that I'm created in God's image. Uh, we are all created in God's image, which means that uh, we, we can't recreate God in our image and create mm-hmm. God as a white male, right? Yeah. As we oftentimes see him on different pictures and right. different different sanctuaries. Yes. God is not a white male. God is not a black male. God yeah. is not a, 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 a Asian female, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. God, we are all created in God's image, meaning that yes. all different cultures together uh, uh, create this, this, this wonderful uh, image of who God is because he is actually dwelling in us. Yeah, absolutely. So... I appreciate that you've brought up the, the Genesis perspective of the Imagio Dei, what theologians yes, call sir. the image of God, right? Yes. Uh, and I love how each and every one of us can see ourselves in God. Yeah. In that when you look at God and you're in your relationship with God, you can see how you relate to God. I am my relationship with God. I can see how I relate to God. And God is a God of love. Yes, he and is. And his character is a character of love. Yeah. God is love. And so when we look at God, then our perspective of our relationship with God, as we look at God and then look at our neighbor, all of a sudden we're reflecting God's love from our neighbor, from ouch. God to our neighbor. I, I say ouch because sometimes we always that. do it, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's times where I don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. right? And, and so hopefully we, we can get this together because yeah. uh, I, I think it's particularly of John, 1 John 4, mm-hmm. says if a man says he loves, uh, loves God, but he hates his brother, yeah. he doesn't know God, right? Because... How can I say I love God? Uh, how can I say I love God, but I can't love my brother who I can't see, but I I, I don't see God and yeah. say I love him? Exactly. He's saying still then he directly calls him, says you are a liar mm-hmm. if you don't love your brother. If you say that you love a God, that, that, that you say you love God, absolutely. And so as we kind of dive into what it looks like to love our neighbor and how we do that. Um, there's a couple of questions that have come in that I kind of want to batch together. So, cause they're kind of asking the same thing. Um, there's someone that asked, do you think God has called us to peacefully protest and actively support our black brothers and sisters? So there's, there's one. Um, the short answer is I believe yes. Yeah. I think you're in the same page. Um, uh, how do we do this social activism without leaving out the law and order? Mm-hmm. So kind of, okay, yes, protesting. How do we do that? Um, and then the, the last one that I, that I want to bring together here is can a society that systemically removed Jesus Christ out of our government, schools and marriages and homes truly show love? God is love, kind of on the same point. Yeah. And so I think all of those questions kind of come under the main question of why should we care about social justice or social activism? Or better yet, why should we care about loving our neighbor? Mm, you know, uh, so there's a couple of texts I'm going to bring up here that you can write down later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Matthew 25, verse 40. Yes. When you've done it on the least of these, my brethren, you've mm-hmm. done it unto me. Going to feed those who are are, are, are uh, who are hungry, uh, clothing yeah. those who are naked. Uh, also, he says in there, visiting those who are in prison. And someone said, someone asked me the question, well, why are black people then considered less than? 
Well, mm. we're, we're not less than, but in our society, we've been looked at, up on as less than. Right. And right now we're calling for equality. And someone asked me another question. He said, well, then why, why, every time I ask, why are you less than, do you just bring up stories? Because we all have different accounts of times where we've been looked at as mm. less than simply because the colors of our skin. Yeah. And as a result of that, we're asking for people to stand with us, not against us. We're not trying to draw the line in the sand and say, you're not allowed to join us. No, we need you to join us yeah. so we can actually accomplish equality together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also, uh, I, I want to address, Michael, yeah. um, Romans chapter 2. Please do. Yeah, Take let's, us there. Let's, let's go there. Because uh, someone asked, can, can systemically uh, a, a nation that has taken God, uh, has taken mm-hmm. Jesus out of its laws, of, uh, uh, out of legislation, can mm-hmm. it actually actively love? Well, there, there's a way that God is going to be judging those who do not actually have God in, their, in, in, in the law, right? Mm-hmm. So Romans chapter 2, starting at verse 14, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in between themselves, uh, between themselves, their thoughts accusing or excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Mm. So there are people that are not of this fold. There are people that are not of the church that are still loving people because the spirit of God is still striving with them. Yes. And yes, the love of many is waxing cold, but that's in the church and that's out of the church, right? Yes. Uh, yes. We've, I, I, I can tell you this. I went to a peaceful protest and it was powerful. Mm-hmm. And it was in Burleson, Texas. And there was mm-hmm. probably about... 500 people that were there wow. and about 85 people, uh, 85% of the people there were, were, were white. They were Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the small segment of 10% of black people that were there, uh, they actually got a chance to go up and speak and share their stories. I shared my story that was yeah. there and people clapped and, and people say, well, that was just all the leftists. No, these were people that were Republican as well. well how do I know? Uh, because they held up signs saying Republicans for, you know, Black Lives wow. Matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so this is time for the community to come together to support each other in solidarity, to get past political lines and, yeah. and realize that this is about the human line. Absolutely. And we're all in that line together. Absolutely. I want to take us to Amos um, please, as well. Please, yes. Amos has a lot to say about, about justice and how we respond to that. Um, our uh, Becky uh, and our praise team uh, a few moments ago read the last part of Amos chapter 5. So I invite you to, to turn there with me. Uh, the first seven verses of, uh, of Amos chapter 5, um, God is visiting those who turn justice into wormwood and cast righteousness down to the earth. Yes. So there's this group of people, he's talking to Israel, and he's saying, you've forgotten justice and righteousness. And then he responds to them in uh, verses 10 and 11. He says, They hate him who reproves in the gate. They abhor him who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor and exact a tribute of grain from them, though you have built houses of well-hewn stone, yet you will not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, yet you will not drink their wine. For I know your transgressions are many and your sins are great. You who distress the righteous and accept bribes and turn aside the poor in the gate. And I, God's talking to Israel here, but I think he could also be talking to the United States. Yes. And I, I don't, I don't want to go down the route that says everything that's happening in the, in the United States, coronavirus and the protests is a judgment of God. No, I can't, I can't make that statement. I, I got you. I'm but there. looking at the circumstances, I think there are consequences mm-hmm. for how the United States has been built. And yes, we're the land of the free and the home of the brave, but it was built on the lives yeah. of people that were unjustly um, put into service. And I think there's a reckoning 
that has to happen, the natural order of how things go. And this is what God tells Israel. He says, therefore, at such a time, the prudent person keeps silent for it is an evil time. He says, seek good and not evil that you may live. And thus may the Lord God of hosts be with you, just as you have said. Hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gate. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Mm. And so God, through the prophet Amos, is speaking to Israel and says, okay, yes, this stuff has happened in the past, but here's what you do to rectify it, to bring reconciliation. He says, seek good, not evil. Hate evil, love good, and establish, establish justice. justice. Yeah. And then the famous passage at the end of Amos, famous Amos. Um, <laughs> love the cookies. Yeah, right? <laughs> this wasn't sponsored by them. Um uh, verse 24, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Mm. And I think there's been awakening in our country of that exact passage, yeah. that justice is starting to roll, that righteousness is flowing like an, ever, uh, like an ever-flowing stream. And we as Seventh-day Adventists, who are steeped within the ideas of the second coming of Jesus, within a, a Sabbath rest every week where we step back from the pace, the frenetic consumerism pace of the United States and provide rest for other people. We should be at the forefront of that, leading the charge, saying we serve a God of love and a God of inclusivity oh, that's bringing man. everybody together in an equal form and to be leading the charge in a peaceful way. Yeah. It, it, destruction of property, all those things, that's bad too. Yeah. It's an outcome of the system, but it doesn't make it right. Yeah, yeah. And and I think this it's important to see verse 13. I'm like, Wait, therefore the prudent keep silent at 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 that time for his mm. for his an evil time. Yeah. Well, and he's like, we, we talk about it. Should we be silent this time? But it goes on, it says, Yeah, be silent with your words, but but establish justice. Right. Your actions mean even more than your words. Right. So someone's saying, Yeah, I'm against racism, but they're not doing anything about yes. it. Right? Uh, yeah. God is saying, let let righteousness uh, or let justice run down like water and righteousness like a, a mighty stream, meaning that your actions of actually going to your brothers and sisters that are hurting right now, yes. putting your arms around them and saying, I hear your story. What is it that I can do for you? Yeah. And, and and I think that's the hardest question because uh, yeah. people ask me, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not what I want you to do. I think that's a question we really need to be asking God. And I'm not God, so I can't tell you exactly <laughs> what to do. But yeah. using your influence to mm-hmm. influence others of saying yeah. enough is enough. Now's the time for us to, to rise together. And that's on every side possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now is the time for, for us to listen, to elevate voices that are, are valuable. Um, and I love what you're saying. It's not enough to just say um, I'm an anti-racist or mm-hmm. I stand against it. No, if we're going to say it, if we're going to tweet it, we're going to post it on social media. Um, if we're going to attend marches and protests, those are, those are great. It shows solidarity that the community is coming together. But then we have to think in our own lives, how am I perpetuating the system and what do I need to change to, to make sure that, that doesn't happen anymore? Yeah. And what do I need to do to make that action happen? What does it look like for me to yeah. listen? What does it look like for me to, to seek authentic relationships? Not getting to know you, Buster, because you're black. And yeah. like, oh, I've got my token black friend that I can stick yeah. in my pocket yeah. and be like, I have one black friend and he is, you know. <laughs> right. But to genuinely get to know you as a person. Yeah. To recognize the color of your skin shows your background, but it doesn't completely tell the story of who you are. Yeah, yeah. And to get to know me on an individual basis, which which brings us to this point, which is, 
let's deal with ideality and reality, mm -hmm. right? Uh, mm -hmm. Ideally, in the church, we would love, I've heard people, and I think someone asked the question earlier, mm -hmm. why do we have a black and white conference? Why yes. do we have regional conferences? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, bringing that, uh, the idea would be and that in all of our positions, it doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you smell like. Well, I guess it doesn't matter what you smell <laughs> like. But it doesn't matter <laughs> because whoever God is moving to, to right. take positions, we would actually give those positions. But the reality is uh, we oftentimes want to see our own people group succeed and do well. Yes. And sometimes it blinds us. And I, I know this as an as an African-American male. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I would love to see more African-American males there. I would love to see more African-American women. I would love to see women, mm -hmm. right, yes. in, in some of these positions. Yes. And, 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 and does it sometimes blind me? Because the true questions I should be asking is, God, who is it that you're calling into this position? Yes. I, I think of uh, when the deacons were chosen in the book of Acts, mm -hmm. uh, the people of God, they prayed and mm -hmm. and God revealed to them people are chosen. And that's the ideality. That's what we should be moving towards. But right now, that still does not happen. Yeah. And so that's why we still have the separating, uh, separating of conferences. Maybe this is the generation. I'm praying this is the generation that rises up and saying we will, no matter what, not allow politics to come into yes. our decisions but we'll let Jesus Christ be at the forefront. Now, will that be perfect? No, but we can get closer to the ideal as we're dealing with the real. Absolutely. And I want to take us as we're kind of wrapping up this morning and part two of this conversation is coming next week. I encourage you. I hope you've been enjoying this this morning. Um, and I hope it's been not only an enjoyment, but a challenge as well. Because um, I know as I've been wrestling with this, it starts to shine the light on how I think. And it's like, yes. ooh, I've got some, some things that I, I, I need to work on here. Yeah. Um, I want to go to 1 John um, chapter 2. Then we're going to look at Luke real quick and then to 1 Peter. Okay. Um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Um, he says this, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of, of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boast, uh, boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from this world. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Mm. And that term world that in the New American Standard Bible is used in English comes cosmos. from the words cosmos, right? And we uh, can take that as thinking about the, the universe, the planetary system, the earth itself. But what cosmos really means is the way things are ordered. Yes. And so what John is saying here is he's saying all that is in the world, the way that the world is ordered, that's not from the Father. Yeah. That's from someplace else. And then he says, and I think this is where we jump up and shout hallelujah. Woo! The order of this world is passing away. We are seeing the, the dying vestiges of this world. Mm -hmm. I believe we're living in a time where we're seeing this world decay in a faster growing pace. And the Bible tells us that's going to happen. We can praise God because of that. Because Amen. we know that as the old, world, old order dies, God's new order, his kingdom, Amen. is even being established now on enemy territory. Amen. So to speak. God, God is with us. Emmanuel, mm -hmm. he, didn't, he didn't leave us uh, alone. He, he's still with us. And yeah. his order is, 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 exceeds anything that the enemy can try to put our way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last two texts. Uh, we're going to unpack this one specifically next week, um, and then I'll leave everybody with a challenge. Jesus in Luke chapter 4 uh. begins his ministry this way. Luke chapter 4, verses uh, 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So he's listening to the Spirit. Um, news about him had spread. 
Um, He comes to Nazareth, and as was his custom in verse 16, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Check that out. Um, Mm. And he stood up to read. And he scrolls through the scroll. He he scrolled before scrolling was cool. Uh, And (laughs) he went to the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he reads from Isaiah 61. And he opened the book. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Mm. And he lists off everything in there is proclaiming release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freeing those who are oppressed. Jesus begins his ministry this way, and he does the first mic drop because he reads these six lines, goes back and sits down. And everybody's like, what did Jesus just say? What in the world is going on? (laughs) Is that, is that Joseph's son? And then he tells him, guys, you're not going to be able to cope with what my calling is in my life. Yeah. You're, you're not going to be able to hang with this because I grew up here. You're not going to understand what's going on here. And they end up getting so angry at him that they run Jesus off a cliff. Almost. He walks out through the crowd. And so I think if Jesus yeah. stands up in the beginning of his ministry and says, this is what I'm about, I as a pastor, I as a human being have to be about what Jesus is about. And, and can I bring another aspect to this? Yes. As I'm reading this, uh, because the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were not practicing this. No. But it, it, sa- it says here uh, uh, in verse 16, he went into the synagogue and stood up to read, but it was his custom, as was his custom. Mm-hmm. So that means that Jesus continually subjected himself to a system that oppressed the poor, to a system that wow. did not preach the gospel. Yeah. And so those of you who are saying, well, we're going to leave the church because the church is not doing what it's supposed to do. Jesus, the master of the universe, stayed with the church, loved the church, subjected mm. himself to horrible preaching every week. That's <laughs> all right. And hey, stayed, what you saying about hey, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, not every church is elevate, all right? <laughs> elevate is elevating things for us, all right? But if Jesus, the master of the universe, is staying with the church, you're called to stay with the church as well. Yeah. Even though with his imperfections, we're called to do the same things that Jesus did. Absolutely. And last text as we finish, 1 Peter Chapter 4, verse 8. As we're talking about how we love one another, Peter gives us these words. He says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, Amen. because love covers a multitude Ooh. of sins. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. So, for those of you that are watching at home, we invite you back next week, 11 or 10 15 Central Time. Um, right here, I'm going to be having some more of my friends join me. Pastor Buster is going to be back, and we're going to be talking more about this, about what it means to love one another. And I challenge you this week to think about ways that above all else, Ooh. above everything, Uh-oh. above your social media account, above your views, about your political, so everything else. Above the way you look. Keep fervent. Eh? <laughs> You're looking good, though. You're looking you good. Go. <laughs> keep fervent in your love. For one another because Amen. love will cover a multitude of sins. Amen. I think that's so beautiful. It is. It is. So we're going to send it over back to our praise team in the sanctuary and we look forward to seeing you next week right here with us. It's so easy sometimes to fall into a complicit response to social justice and everything that's going on in this world. And, you know, you may not have been someone who's gone out and protested. Uh, This may be your first experience uh, hearing someone talk about everything that Pastor Buster and I have talked about. Uh, It's important now more than ever 
that we show a love, a brotherly love, a familial love for the people around us, maybe even people that look different than we do, that smell different than we do, that have different ideologies and political leanings that we do. Uh, and in a world that's divided by uh, how we see things, I think the kingdom of God allows us to come together and love people who look different, who think different, and who act different sometimes. So I encourage you today to love the people around you in meaningful ways. Next week on our podcast, we have a continued dialogue of what Pastor Buster and I talked about today. I invited some of my friends, uh, April and, and Russ. They both work at Southwestern Adventist University as well. And we kind of have a roundtable about where we go from here. What are some next steps? How do we specifically love our neighbor? How do we stand up for social justice? How do we look for ways that we can tear down the walls of racism and build each other up in love? So encourage you to listen to that next week. Thank you again for your support and for sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Elevate Retake is recorded weekly at Elevate, a community fellowship of King Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder. Sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our team includes Evelyn Alanise, Candice McCormick, Semu Segola, Alethea Galvin, Emily Weaver, and Issa Manu. Special thanks to Danae Sanji and 88.3 The Journey and the King Church Media Team. You can find Elevate Retake on Instagram at Elevator Take. For more about Elevate Community Fellowship, visit thisiselevate.org. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 1015 a.m. at thisiselevate.org forward slash live. We'd love to have you join us. There's always room for one more.